and TKOs. We are live. Episode 29 coming at you on this beautiful Friday afternoon in the Valley. And boy, do we have a show to talk about before the layoff for the holidays. I'm already fiending for the fights. Three weekends without MMA action, UFC action specifically. Um, so episode 29, I'm your host, Shane Gillette. Before we talk MMA, just a little quick sports update with me. I had my friend uh, from Seattle, co-worker, come out. He's a Colts fan. We watched Steelers-Colts this past weekend. Uh, the Colts beat the Steelers, in my opinion, pretty much eliminated them from the playoffs. So that's fun. Shohei Otani signed with the Dodgers, record-breaking contract. Uh, Yamamoto followed as well. So as an Angel fan, it's, uh, it's a little gloomy. But the Montana Grizzlies back in the FCS championship with an awesome semifinal victory at home. What a crazy performance over one of the more dominant teams in North Dakota State. They now head into a, a very tough game in Frisco, Texas against South Dakota State. Uh, a team who hasn't lost a game uh, in like two years or something crazy like that. Uh, so the college alumni uh, doing their thing. Uh, go Montana. Go Grizz. I'm actually going to Tucson at the end of the month uh, to go watch Wyoming football play. They're playing uh, Toledo in the Arizona uh, Bowl, sponsored by Barstool. So catching my first bowl action. And I actually caught a Suns-Knicks game with my friends that were in town and got to see Jalen Brunson, Villanova. That's one of my college basketball teams I root for. Villanova alum, drop a 50-burger, went eight or nine of nine from three-point. A phenomenal night, phenomenal game. So lots of interesting action in sports. I even got to see uh, Christian McCaffrey run all over the Cardinals, my first game in the Cardinal Stadium. So lots of fun things uh, in the sports world for me, and it's it's just a fun time of the year with the holidays. You get bowl games, you get all these important football games, and then the NFL as well. But it, it, it's going to be a long, long little stretch without some UFC before some pretty fun cards. We have UFC Anaheim coming up, UFC Toronto, and then your boys going to see the Sugar Show and still in Miami in March, plus the UFC 300 card not even fully announced. That'll be happening international fight, or no, that'll be happening in Vegas. And then they will be having an international fight week card um, in, in the summer as well. So lots of fun fights early on coming into the next year. Some fights that have been booked for the Anaheim and Miami card. It's starting to take form. We have Tai Tuavasa taking on Marcin Tibera, UFC 298. Uh, Tai's been out for quite a while after the beatdown from Cyril Gaon. So it'll be great to see Tai Tuavasa back in the octagon. We have Tatiana Suarez taking on Amanda Lemos. That's UFC 298 as well. Um, a, a big step up for Tatiana. You know, a win here. She's probably fighting for the title. And then in 299, we got Curtis Blades, Jailton Almeida. Probably the best stylistic matchup for these two fighters. And a, a huge opportunity to prove it for a title shot for Jailton Almeida. We got Mateusz Gamrot taking on... Rafael Dos Anjos, UFC 299. So I get to see another veteran RDA in the octagon in person. Uh, take on Mate Mateusz Gamrot, who's been hot. We got Kevin Holland and Michael Page. Breaking news over the, the past week. Michael Page signing with the UFC. 
coming from Bellator, one of the more fun stylistic fighters in the promotion. So I'm really excited to see what he offers in the UFC against a very fun Kevin Holland. Um, also, really fired up about these fights. We got Gilbert Burns fighting Jack Della Maddalena in Miami. A big step up for Jack Della. Gilbert staying active, trying to do the damn thing as he's fought most of the division. And then Pewter Yan taking on Song Yidong. Song got the, the call out he asked for, taking on Pewter Yan. That should be a fantastic fight as we haven't seen Pewter Yan for a while. And then we also have Jeff Neal and Ian Gary at UFC 299. So what an amazing card UFC 299 is going to be. It looks like it's probably just going to be one title fight, but a shit ton of quality matchmaking. I'm super hyped for this card in Miami, and especially as they are going to continue adding to it. And then we had um, Devin Clark against Martin Procneo February 10th as well for a quality light heavyweight bout and a fight night. Now, as we get prepared to recap UFC 296, obviously Ian Gary got pulled out during fight week of the Luque fight. Uh, so there was no Ian Gary versus uh, Vicente Luque. So he will now be fighting Jeff Neal at 299. And then I believe the day of, Randy Brown pulled out of his fight against Salikov, um, uh, Musum Salikov, uh, due to illness, which was a fight that I was really excited to watch. Uh, so hopefully that gets rebooked soon as well. Elsewhere in the MMA world, we have the Ultimate Fighter 32 official going to be featherweights and middleweights. And then I totally forgot this was even happening, but Jake Paul had boxed Andre August and he finished him with a first round knockout and nasty uppercut. So uh, continuing to fight up the boxing ranks, Andre August was slight work for the problem child. Elsewhere in boxing, we had Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder agree to a fight in March if they both win their next fights coming up soon. So that could be very interesting. They both have to win. You never know. But it seems like on the horizon, we have Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder um, getting some great uh, fights in boxing actually matched up for once. And then in the next pod, I will be breaking after the, the layoff. I'll be breaking down my MMA awards personally. And then I will also be breaking down um, who I think will be champions in each weight class by the end of the year and, and look back at last year to see how I did. And then also, I will be doing matchmaking for the top of the division. If there's a division that hasn't had a, a bunch of match or a bunch of guys that don't have fights, I'll do some matchmaking and some hypotheticals. We'll have some fun with it. But there was the World MMA Awards this week. We had the International Fighter and Fighter of the Year is Leon Edwards. I, I'm probably going to stick with that one. That's very deserved over the pound for pound Kamara Usman. We got the Female Fighter of the Year, Alexa Grasso, uh, another pretty much. Uh, plain and simple vote as she has defeated Valentina Shevchenko. And then we had the breakthrough fighter of the year, Alex Pereira. The fight of the year, Islam Makachev, Alexander Volkanovsky. The first fight at UFC 284. The knockout of the year was the Leon Edwards versus Kamara Usman, UFC 278 knockout. Submission of the year was Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko. The first time with the face crank at 285. And then the comeback of the year, we had Leon Edwards versus Kamara Usman 2, the UFC 278, where he got destroyed, got the head kick knockout. Come on, Rock, don't let him bully you, Rock. What an amazing moment Leon Edwards had just uh, numerous times this year. 
And then clearly the upset of the year, Alexa Grasso versus Valentina at UFC 285. Coach of the year was Mike Brown of American Top Team. Trainer of the year, Heather Linden. Gym of the year, American Top Team. Referee of the year, Herb Dean. Ring card girl of the year, Brittany Palmer, who has announced that she will be retiring. And I believe the last fight, or this UFC 296 card was her last fight card doing uh, being a ring girl. The leading man was Dana White. Best promotion, the UFC. UFC personality of the year, Joe Rogan. Analyst of the year, Michael Bisping. Best MMA programming, the Dana White Contender Series. And MMA journalist of the year, for many years running, Ariel Hawani. So um, I'll break down my my thoughts on those next uh, in the next pod after the holidays and the layoffs. And uh, yeah, like I said, we'll talk about the champions, who I think will be the champions in the next year, how I did last year, and uh, potentially some fun matchmaking as well. But let's talk UFC 296. I went 8-3 and three in my picks. So that now puts us to 193 85 and six so far with bows and TKOs Um, more than doubled the losses in picks this year so far 29 episodes deep Um, so we'll probably reset that I'll probably keep that and then reset the year uh, going into January but some good fights that we had on the card we had Shamil Gaziev with a second round knockout over Martin Boudet performance of the night 50 G's for Gaziev um Contender Series guy making his UFC debut. What a performance as he was just putting it to Boudet. Uh, big shots after big shots. Boudet had no answer. And then, of course, we lost the Ian Gary and Randy Brown fights. So breaking it down in the early prelims, we had Andre Feely with a round one TKO over Lucas Almeida. And man, oh man, did the early prelims fight, early prelim fighters come out with the bang, man. I mean... After the heavyweight second round finish, Andre basically put on a clinic in this fight. It was not close at all. I thought Lucas Almeida would put up a little bit better of a fight. Uh, But he got a brilliant first round finish. And it only took Andre 25 total and 20 significant strikes at the knockdown. And Lucas only landed 10 total and significant strikes. It was Andre doing a lot of movement. Lucas kind of holding shot, throwing some counters. and, And Andre came in with, the I think it was a big right hook. That got the finish. Um, Andre now starts a new winning streak. He is 2-2 two and two since 2022. And Lucas extends his losing streak to 2. He now moves to 1-2 and two in the UFC. So for Andre, I would love to see him scrap with Jonathan Pierce. I think that's must-see TV. And for Lucas, if he is still in the UFC, how about Gabriel Santos? That would be sufficient. And then another fight I got right that I felt like played out about exactly how you'd expect it to. We had Tagir Olenbekov with a round two submission via face crank over Cody Durden. And uh, this was a, a Tagir style fight. I mean, he was able to continue to impre- to empower his will and impress. He just needed to see, we just need to see more of him now in the octagon after performances like this. I mean, the volume from both men in round one was insane. The grappling, the striking. Uh, I believe Tagir had Cody in a, a standing body triangle for like over a minute. And, you know, you're, you're kind of wondering if the exhaustion would come into play in round two uh, for Tagir as well. But the volume, the pace, these guys were just getting after it in round one. 
And, and Cody wasn't going to go down you know, easily. He's put up quite a bit of uh, good wins recently, and this was a very quality performance, although he got submitted in round two. You know, pretty early in round two, Tagir was able to find his spot at the face crank finish. So, statistically, Tagir landed 45 total strikes, 24 of which were significant. He did get two takedowns, five submission attempts, a reversal, and a knockdown. So, in a round and some change, when I'm talking about the volume and just watching it, it was a brilliant performance, a brilliant fight. I really enjoyed this one. And he had six minutes of control time. Meanwhile, Cody actually landed more strikes, 55 total, 32 of which were significant. Um, you know, Tagir was definitely trying to land power shots, get those takedowns, and Cody was landing more volume. But Tagir extends his winning streak to two. He is three and one since 2021. He moves up one spot in the rankings to number 11. And Cody ends his four-fight winning streak. He does start a new losing streak and falls outside the top 15 rankings. So what's next for these flyweights? Well, I, I say give me Tagir and Matt Schnell. I think that would be an ideal matchup or maybe Steve Ersig, the Astro Boy. And for Cody, how about Tatsuru Tyra, who just entered the top 15 rankings? I think that would be an ample next step for him. Moving on in the prelims. That was just in the early prelims. In the prelims, we had Ariane Lipsky with a second round submission via armbar over Casey O'Neill. Performance of the night to Lipsky. And this fight, I completely got wrong. Hearing Casey talk about the fight post-fight, maybe it makes a little bit of sense. But this was the most shocking performance of the night for me. Casey looked slow. She looked tentative. And just wasn't aggressive like we're used to seeing her. And she did mention not being the same after being clipped early in the fight. You know, she has recovered from the knee surgery, but you never know how healthy she was. But apparently, Ariane hit her early kind of was just battling the cobwebs and was just kind of in the motions, wasn't thinking about game plan, pushing the pace, and that was clear. Um, so Lipsky was able to get a knockdown, was able to get the armbar finish. Big, big win for Lipsky. Back to the drawing board for Casey. That was tough to see. I, I, I thought she would, she would kind of dominate this fight, to be honest. And the stats show that. Lipsky landed 86 total strikes, 64 of them significant. She also had a takedown and a submission attempt. And Casey only landed 32 total strikes, 31 of them significant, and was 0 for 2 in takedown attempts. So Ariane extends her winning streak to 3 all this calendar year. What a year for Lipsky. Uh, she moves into the top 15 at number 12. And Casey extends her losing streak to 2. She is 1 and 2 uh, since 2022. And she moves 2 spots down in the rankings to 14. So obviously, Ariane is rolling. I'm definitely interested to see how this plays out, but I'm wanting to see her fight Tracy Cortez. I think that would be a great matchup. And for Casey, how about Joanne Wood? I think that would be ideal for both women. Moving on, we had Cody Garbrandt's return with a massive round one TKO over Brian Kelleher. And this was a little bit of flashbacks of the, the champion like Cody Garbrandt. Uh, welcome back, Cody. I mean, I don't think Cody's issues has been his fighting ability by any means. Uh, more so maybe getting knocked out, battling with that, depression, personal life issues, some of the things that's been going on outside the octagon. I mean, the guy embarrassed Dominic Cruz in his heyday. So, I mean, he, he definitely shows what he's had the potential of. But Brian Kelleher had no chance. Um, he was landing big leg kicks, was beating up the leg of Cody, but Cody was able to get a finish before that became a big issue. 
became a big issue. So statistically, Cody landed 21 total and 20 significant strikes uh, with the knockdown. And Brian landed 21 total, 17 significant. He was 0 for 1 in takedown attempts. And uh, the leg kicks were, were doing some work. Cody's definitely going to have to improve that as he continues to fight up. But Cody now extends his winning streak to two, both this calendar year. And Brian extends his losing streak to three. He has not won since January of 2022. So what's next? Well, the stylistic fight to make here is Cody versus Adrian Yanez. I think that would be just a boxing back and forth badass affair. And then for Brian, if he is still in the UFC, how about Alan Tagelli? I think that would be a good fight for him, but he's been through a tough skid himself. And still in the prelims, what a fight this was. This was fight of the night. We got Irene Aldana with the unanimous decision over Carol Hosa, 50 Gs. Not only was this fight fight of the night, but it was so damn close. I mean, this was a war. This definitely deserved fight of the night. I am just baffled that Rosa did not attempt to get this fight to the ground. That is usually how she has won her fights in the past, but she just stood there and traded with Irene. Irene is just a tough woman, and although she had more success in round one, she was able to get a game plan to find a way to win uh, through the, the later rounds. So again, I'm just shocked that she did not look to get Aldana to the ground. But she did dominate round one. The calf kicks. I mean, uh, Aldana kind of has a, a, a whitish skin tone, you know, pretty light skin tone. So you could really see the bruising to her leg. But I mean, this was brutal. And Aldana, you want to know it. She just played it tough. I'm assuming she could barely walk after the fight. I mean, some of these kicks were insane. And that was really the story around one. Aldana kind of finding her range, not throwing off too much, and just getting her leg chopped out. And, you know, obviously I picked Aldana. I had her in a parlay. So I'm, I'm freaking out at this point. Um, and then Iranian round two rocked Carol Hosa early, put a ton of damage on her, and I think started getting confident with her striking in her range. She had her jab going. She controlled the center of the octagon, really had a good game plan in round two. And then... Uh, really was able to get some body shots that I felt like paid a ton of dividends later in the fight. And in round three, she landed more body shots. You could see Hosa was just kind of um, crumbling away. And she was able to edge out round three. But Carol had her moments in rounds two and three. I think Aldana did enough to win both of those rounds. But you easily could have said Hosa in one of those. It would have swayed the decision. Uh, but I think the body shots, the big shots by Aldana built that confidence. She was able to get more volume through and win those rounds. And plus, she was controlling the center of the octagon. But Irene even mentioned that she has be, uh, been fighting with an injured knee after the fight. Uh, that's crazy to think, especially with all the leg kicks that she took. So hopefully she gets that attended to. She's been fighting with that. Those leg kicks, uh, I can't imagine it's getting any better. But... What a fight by both women. The durability, the toughness. You love to see it in women's MMA. And statistically, this tells the tale. I mean, Irene landed 145 total and significant strikes. So when she was landing, she was landing with some damage. And Carol landed 204 total and significant. And she was 0 for 1 in takedown attempts. But the volume in round 1 was a lot higher for Hosa uh, versus Irene. And I think the volume uh, through two and three was more on Irene's side. So Aldana starts a new winning streak. She moves to two and one since 2022. She does stay at five in the rankings. 
And Carol starts a new losing streak and moves to two and three since 2022. She stays at nine in the rankings. So what's next? I really do think Irene should fight the loser, the Pennington and Myra Bueno Silva fight. Uh, especially since Juliana Pena is hurt. I would assume that when she comes back, she gets the winner of that fight. So Aldana could get the loser of that fight. And then for Hosa, I'd love to see her fight Penny Kianzad. That's another uh, potential fight of the night uh, battle. And I, I think the matchmakers should just make that make that happen. Moving on in the prelim headliner, we had Alonzo Menafield uh, with a unanimous decision over Dustin Jacoby. And uh, yeah, this was a fight I did not quite see coming. Uh, this was a very technical, another tight fight. I mean, Alonzo clearly is a big power striker, but he was more calculated. He was a counter first attacker looking for the big shot. And Dustin, as usual, really did a beautiful job with his fakes. You know, he's a kickboxer with a ton of experience. He was keeping Menafield at distance until the beginning of round two. Alonzo clipped him, got a big knockdown, and he was a little bit more aggressive throughout the fight. They both rocked each other in round two. Round two was pretty much straight chaos, uh, but I would give uh, the first round to Dustin, the second to Alonzo for the big shot, the more damaging shots, and really the major moments. But round three, another wild round. Uh, I thought Dustin controlled majority of the round, but uh, Alonzo, again, landed a big knockdown shot. He got a takedown which I really think stole the round three victory, but it was another razor tight finish. Dustin doing a lot, controlling the octagon, having Alonzo fight from the back against the cage. But when you land those big knockdowns, it's hard to lose the fight. And that's exactly what happened. And the stats tell the story. So Alonzo landed 95 total strikes, 68 of them significant. He was one for two in takedown attempts and had the knockdown. And Dustin landed 113 total strikes, 93 of them significant. So Alonzo, he's, he's atomic right now. He's on a roll. He's extending his winning streak to four. He did have the draw in between. And he moves up two spots in the rankings to number 12. And Dustin starts a new losing streak. He moves to three and three since 2022 and stays at 15 in the rankings. So what's next? Well, the fight for me is Alonzo versus Anthony Smith. But I don't know if Anthony's going to fight anytime soon after the losses. You know, it, I, I really don't know where his mental game is right now. But if it's not Anthony, how about Vulcan Ozdemir? I think that would be a fantastic fight. And for Dustin, how about a rematch with Jan Kutalaba, who he had a draw with in 2021? I mean, that's, that's a win-win fight if you ask me. And what an amazing card, I mean... All those fights, fantastic fights, and we're not even in the main card yet. In the main card, we had Josh Emmett with a round one knockout over Bryce Mitchell, performance of the night. And this is what Josh Emmett does. He sucks the souls out of his opponents with devastating power. I mean, whoo-wee. I mean, this was a shot that you do not need to see back. I mean, leading up to the fight, Obviously, Bryce talked about the power that Josh possesses, and it was on full display. Uh, it was an early, insane knockout shot. You know, Bryce had took this on short notice, and, uh, you know, Josh is a bigger-bodied dude where I think Bryce probably even walks around closer to the actual fighting weight at 145, where Josh Emmett's cutting a lot more weight. And he had prepared for a war against Giga Chikadze, 
It just was not Bryce's moment here. It only took Josh two total insignificant strikes with the knockdown, and Bryce did not land a strike whatsoever. So he just just put him to sleep, man. Um, I'm glad Bryce is okay, though. Uh, Josh does end his two-fight winning streak and starts a new uh, winning streak. Did I say Josh? I meant to say Bryce. I hope Bryce is okay. Um, Josh, though, is 2-2 two and two since 2022. And Bryce starts a new losing streak. He is also 2-2 two and two since 2022. Josh stays at number 6 and Bryce at number 10 in the rankings. So I think matchmaking simple from here. Let's just rebook Giga and Josh Emmett. And for Bryce, how about a scrap with Sadiq Yusuf? I think stylistically that would be a ton of fun as well. And then this, this fight, we had Patty Pimblett with unanimous decision over Tony Ferguson. And I really wanted to believe in Tony. He did the David Goggins cardio camp. He tried to do everything that he could do to make this fight win. But really the idea of it is that Patty, younger, um, uh, was able to take advantage of the grappling and control the fight to win the rounds. It's not like any of this was fantastic. None of this was beautiful from either fighter. But I thought I would see more aggression from Tony and be able to stuff the takedown defense better. But Patty was able to make this fight. You know, like Patty said coming in, this is kind of a lose-lose fight for him. He's just wanting to get through this and continue on with his fighting career. And that's really what this fight was for me. Uh, Patty landed 151 total and 106 significant strikes with one takedown and four attempts. He had the knockdown as well. And he almost had nine minutes of control time. So when I say he just wanted to get, get on top and control the fight and find his way to victory, that really was the game plan. And Tony landed 90 total and 62 significant strikes. He's shown life, but I think after this fight, I just really don't think he should be fighting anymore. I probably could have said that a couple fights ago. But with Tony, you never know. We'll see what happens. But Patty does extend his winning streak to seven. Five of those are in the UFC. Tony is on the other end. His losing streak now extends to seven. He has not won a fight since June of 2019. Now, I doubt we see Tony in the UFC personally. Um, so for Batty, I think we just redo the fight with him against Jared Gordon. Settle the drama they have. Jared is deserving of this after his last knockout performance. If not, though, match him up against Drakkar Close. I think that would be a fantastic matchup. Moving on. We had Shavkat Rachmanov with a round two submission via rear naked choke over Steven Thompson. And this is something you could have just nailed the bet. We're playing darts. The bullseye round two rear naked choke. That's exactly what happened. And supposedly even Shavkat came into this fight injured. Uh, with an ankle injury, which is even more insane. But Shavkat was able to get the takedown. Steven did a really good job battling up against the cage, breaking hands, and trying to defend that takedown. He's clearly put some work in there and had some good striking when he had the opportunity to. But once Shavkat was able to get the takedown, that's really all it was going to take. Um, statistically, and you know, it's tough that Steven has to take these kind of fights. A grappling-heavy dude, a guy that may be willing to strike if his ankle wasn't hurt, but you know he wants to win. He's undefeated, and you know Stephen has to 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 just to deal with that. It's it's a little brutal, but that's the fight game. Now Shavkat landed seventy-three total strikes, twenty-eight of them significant with a takedown in five attempts. So again, Wonder Boy did his thing, tried to defend. Uh, Shavkat had two submission attempts and almost eight minutes of control time. Now, Steven landed 26 total strikes, 16 of them significant. 
So Shavkat stays undefeated. He extends his winning streak to 18, 6-0 in the UFC, and he moves up two spots in the rankings to number three. Now, Steven starts a new losing streak. He is 1-3 since 2021, and he stays at number six in the rankings. So for me, I would assume Shavkat is right in line for the title shot. You know, obviously he's going to need to recover from this ankle injury. Bilal should absolutely have the next title shot. Gilbert's booked now against Jack Della, so that should make things more clear. The only fight that might make sense before a title shot is the winner of the Burns fight. Um, but I'm going to say he waits for the we- the winner of Leon's next fight. And for Steven, I'm not too sure how much longer he really wants to, to fight in the UFC, let alone fight the top of the division. But if he's game for another scrap, let's book him against Renat Fokhradinov. That is a banger if I've ever seen one. And then in the co-mate flyweight championship, no surprise here either, we had Alex Chandre Pantoja, Pantoja with a unanimous decision over Brandon Royval. And Brandon, when the fight was striking, had pretty good success. Over the course of the rounds, with all the grappling, all the aggressiveness that Pantoja had, you could see his cardio tank, you know, lower, where Brandon looked like the more fresher fighter and was able to get striking going. But right as he was getting comfortable with the strikes, I mean, Alexandre Pantoja, when I say he wanted the takedown, he was getting it. It would be a blast double right at the hips. I mean, you can't defend that kind of stuff. Uh, so the champion and still... And when we look at the stats, Alexandre landed 126 total strikes, 95 of those significant, eight takedowns and 14 attempts. If he wanted it, he got it. He also had a submission attempt and almost 16 minutes of control time. That's more than three rounds to win the fight alone. And Brandon landed 281 total strikes. So um, 160 more almost. And 111 of those were significant. With two reversals, he was 0 for 1 in takedown attempts as well. And, you know, if Brandon wanted a chance here, he had to avoid the takedowns, and that clearly was not the case. So, Alexandre gets his first title defense. He extends his winning streak to 5. He has not lost since July of 2020. And Brandon ends his three-fight winning streak. He starts a new losing streak and moves down one spot in the rankings to number 3. So what's next? Well, I would assume Pantoja is going to fight the winner of Moreno and Albazi. I don't think he would fight Kai Cara France with a two-fight losing streak. Um, obviously, the top of the division is really booked up. A lot of guys have fought each other already. So I think he waits for the winner of Moreno and Albazi. And Brandon versus Kai Cara France too. I think that would make sense. But who knows what that will happen. All these rematches in the flyweight division, that could kind of get old. Uh, so he might let things shake out, just get better in the gym as well. Not too sure. And then the main event. What a just, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of grappling heavy fights here. But this one was just a complete shocker, man. But again, and still, Leon Edwards with the unanimous decision over Colby Covington. And the drama is, is that Colby is saying he broke his foot in the first 30 seconds. I watched the film back. If his foot... He did throw kind of a higher kick that, like, might have glanced an arm. He's saying the elbow. Barely, though. I'm talking, like, like barely glanced at all. You know, maybe he broke the, uh, a bone in the top of his foot. But I feel like he just didn't show up. 
all the time out of the octagon. He was not aggressive. He was not put, you know, on his bike, pushing the pace, pushing the cardio and bringing the fight to Leon at all. He was just sitting there and letting things happen. And then way late in the fight, rounds four, round five, was getting takedowns, was being more aggressive. I think this is all on him. I don't really think he broke his foot. And it just was a terrible performance. Sometimes guys don't show up, and that was the case. But then in Leon's aspect, he did not really try to go for the finish. He even took Colby down. I'm sure that was to prove a point. Was trying to grappling. You know, he could he could have just kept the fight standing and looked for a finish. So this is kind of a slap on the wrist for me as a fan for both fighters. But either way, Leon is still the middleweight champion. Um, statistically, I mean, yeah, these these... <laughs> These stats are way lower than the other five-round fight and way lower than a lot of the three-round fights. Leon landed 65 total strikes, 57 of those significant. He had two takedowns and three attempts. He had two submission attempts and a reversal as well. And Colby landed 109 total strikes, 44 of those significant, with two takedowns and 10 attempts. So didn't have much success there. Leon continues to have great takedown defense. A lot of those are terrible takedown attempts, though. Colby just was not was not um, just not himself and wasn't aggressive, wasn't using good technique. It was sloppy. Now Colby did have five minutes of control time and Leon a minute and a half. So Leon now gets his second title defense. He extends his winning streak to twelve. He did have the no contest with Bilal in between, but we should get that short up soon. And Colby starts a new losing streak. He is only one and two since twenty twenty one. One fight in twenty one, twenty two. And two and twenty or no, two and twenty-one, one and twenty-two, one and twenty-three. He moves down two spots in the rankings to number five. And again, I think for next, it's got to be Bilal Muhammad uh, for me. And for Colby, if he does fight anytime soon and wants to actually keep fighting, how about a fight with Sean Brady? I think that would be that would be a lot of fun, a lot of good smack talk there too. But overall, I enjoyed the the card, the early prelims. The prelims really showed out. That Aldana fight, the Menafield fight, Cody Garbrandt to come back, to get all in Bekov looking good, Josh Emmett taking the soul out of Bryce. And then the card was kind of men, the main event, to be honest, the main card. The Pimblet fight, a lot of grappling, Shavkat grappling, uh, Pantoja grappling, and Leon and Colby not doing much at all. But that's our MMA fix. We got three weekends. I do not remember the last time we had this much time off. No UFC. We have a decent fight night card January 13th that will be headlined by the rematch Magomed Ankalaev, Johnny Walker. We didn't really get that fight in Abu Dhabi. Now we're getting it. It's episode 29. I'm your host, J Shane Gillette. Have a happy new year, a Merry Christmas. I will see you guys after the holidays.